I'm Amy, sex educator, somatic sex and relationship coach, and sex shop owner. And I'm April, VP of an international high-end pleasure products company and boss queen sex toy mogul. We're best friends who make our own rules about who we are as sexual beings. With everything from how to be a badass in the bedroom to top tips for bringing your relationship to the next level, we have something just for you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com. Hello, everyone. Hey, hey, hey. It's great day. Oh, I like that. She's so cheery today. Welcome to the Shameless Sex Podcast. Once again, I always never have any idea what episode number this is in advance. Probably 32 or something like that. Yeah, 32. Yeah, We were just moving along. We started in early June and we just keep on trucking. We are here with another wonderful guest speaker. We have so many awesome guest speakers. Well, you've also met in your Somatica training. Well, no, we didn't do Somatica together. Oh, you didn't. Okay, I thought you did. No, but they did, they did a Somatica training. And we'll do a, a nice little intro for this person because they do so much more than that. They have... Um, they do a lot of wonderful offerings. And before we do that, we just want, I'd like to announce that we did our survey that was still available on our website, and this will probably be the last time I'll announce it. We have a survey on our website at shamelesssex.com where you can take the survey if you're a listener, and it should only take you about five minutes, maybe ten minutes max, so we can find out who you are so we can better speak to you. And tell them what they win for taking the survey. Oh, yeah, you win 25% off at Pure Pleasure, and you just help us. <laughs> well, yes, you're, you, the, you win knowledge, the gift that keeps on giving, mm -hmm. because we'll do a podcast probably about what you want to hear about. Exactly, yeah, so we're really help, we're helpful, happy about your helpfulness and filling out that survey, and we're starting to see more of the topics that you want to hear, and that actually fits perfectly with this podcast, because some of the top to topics that you're all interested in is uh, relationships and communication how-tos and how to strengthen relationships and work with part your partners or future partners. And this this uh, podcast will be all about that, but um, or and with a very specific kind of uh, tone, a little a specific foundation that I personally really, really resonate with. It's really helped me in my relationships, especially my current relationship. And uh, so we're really excited to share this. And this topic is actually really new for April. I know. I actually didn't know that we were recording this today. And usually I come in prepared. I mentally prep myself with deep potential breathing. questions and yeah, deep breathing and power posing. <laughs> and so I was like, OK, we're doing this. And she's like, no, we're doing this. I was like, what is that? So I'm excited to learn. And I think that this is going to be new information for me. And I'm super pumped to learn about it. So yay. Yeah, so she'll be our little test bunny. We might even go into a little... Uh, kind of a, a practice where our guest will inform you all on how they work with clients as with April as a test bunny. She's the sweetest little I'm test bunny. Being a guinea pig. Just don't shove anything in my eyeballs. Or your ass? That's what they, or my, okay, maybe my butt. <laughs> She's still an anal virgin, everyone. <laughs> I have a kit prepared to lose my anal virginity. I have it prepared next to my bedside that I take on every trip just in case. And it has never been the opportunity since August when you said you'd finally do it? Uh, yep. That's good. I like that you're taking your time. you got to get a clear yes. I like this. Yes, especially when it comes to the ass. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so without further ado, do we have any other announcements? Or are we ready to just dive? Should we dive? Deep end dive? Deep dive. I think we should just dive in. All right, here we go. Diving. So without further ado, today we are going to be talking about attachment theory. Now, when I say the word theory and you're like, wah, wah, sounds like boring topics from school, uh, bear with me because as I said, the understanding attachments and the way they work in relationships has greatly changed my life as well as my clients and my friends and my family and anyone that I know that has educated themselves on this who is in relationship or plans on being in relationship with um, someone else. This is really, really helpful in understanding them, yourself, and how to work together. Or maybe there's more than two of you, you know, how to work um, with everyone. So our speaker is Philippe Lewis. And Philippe Lewis is a love coach, a sex educator, a sexological body worker, a somatica practitioner, a somatic sens sensual and sexual healer, and an epic pr event producer with alive events and ritual magic. And you can find out more 
uh, about Philippe at exquisite.love. There is no .com after that. It is exquisite.love. That is the aw- most awesome <laughs> URL ever. And uh, without further ado, welcome, Philippe. We're so excited to have you here. Hi, Philippe. Oh, hi. I'm totally excited. I just, uh, I just love it. I, I love I love being in conversation uh, about the topics that I'm most into, but but attachment theory is uh, is one that's been that's been very dear to dear uh, dear to me or dear to my heart um, in the last probably the last year and a half, almost two years at this point. Uh, it just discovered I was reading it, strangely enough I was reading this book um, by this pickup artist called um, uh, and it was, he wrote the game Neil Strauss. Neil oh, Strauss. I have that and book. He, I totally right? have that book. Yeah, you're, yeah. So here, here's the thing. There's a second book called The Truth. So in the in the game, he basically becomes apparently the so-called big, the best pickup artist of all times. Um, and then at the end of the book, he he's kind of having this strange experience where he just he can just get with any woman he wants, woman he wants. But it just becomes this kind of blur of like, okay, I'm having sex with this person and this person, but it's not very satisfying. And then there's this, this uh, I think this guitarist from Cheryl Crow's band that he wants to be with and she's not giving him the time of day because he thinks he's silly. Um, and so, so that's where the first book ends, as far as I remember. And then there's a second book called The Truth where he's with this, he's with this woman and he decides, well... I'm not ready to get married and have kids and I just want to sow my wild oats as if he hasn't already. Uh, and basically leaves her and starts to explore different kinds of polyamory and open relationships and, and swinging. And he basically goes through the whole range and he's actually been to some events that some of my friends have, have produced. But then eventually he realizes that that's not really satisfying. So he eventually goes and puts himself into rehab, uh, like a sex rehab. And that's when they start to, you know, Go after, go at him with different, you know, with different tools. One of them being attachment theory. So, um, so I, I read the whole book and I was like, wow, that looks really interesting, and I can relate to some of the ways that these people are that that he was um, that he was engaging, and I could relate with what some of the description of some of the, the different attachment styles. So I. And, and then a few friends that told me about it, but I, you know, I just didn't know what it meant. And I said, I didn't know how important it was. So after that book, I got the book called Attached, and which is like a very um, basic introduction to attachment theory. And uh, I read the whole thing and I was like, wow, this is really interesting. And I started like reading on the internet and download, reading articles and starting putting, you know, two plus two and four plus four and five plus five together Trying, uh, trying to see how does this relate to my life and how does this relate to uh, the life of the, the women I've been with and also uh, the, you know, my parents and, and just other examples in my life. And how does this fit? So here we are today. So can you, that's, that's awesome. And I'm happy that I have that book, The Game. Although I will say it is a bit, I don't know. I think that it's definitely not helpful to folks that are trying to uh, become a pickup no. artist. It's like kind of cheesy, but <laughs> that being said, I like that it intro. <laughs> or sleazy. Or sleazy. Um, so can you tell our listeners and tell, tell me as well, because I am new to the, the attachment theory, what exactly attachment theory is? All right. Um, I'm not going to remember the, the, Oh yeah, actually I can't. <laughs> Cause I, uh, I downloaded my notes for a class that I do. So, um, so the, the, the basic idea is, uh, you know, and uh, some years ago, this, uh, uh, I think Bowlby is the name of the, the, the scientist who started looking at this. They, they did this, uh, this experiment with babies where they would, you know, they would put the, mo- the mother and the baby or the parent and the baby in a room. And then the parent would leave. And they started to notice uh, three, three big differences, three uh, very noticeable differences in the reactions of the baby. So one, the baby would cry and cry and cry and cry until the parent came back. And, uh, and, and so, uh, and then basically the baby would stop crying. And then on the second example, the baby would start crying. Um, and then, and then sort of kind of get, get quiet as if he's okay, as if the baby is okay. But when they registered the heart rate and the blood pressure, those were still high. Like the baby was still freaked out, just wasn't showing it. Uh, and, and these are all babies that are about 12 months old. And then the third example was the baby would cry for a little while and then sort of what they, what they surmised was regulate their own, the baby would regulate his or her own emotions and then quiet down and 
possibly because as they as they surmised as well is that the baby would know the baby knew that the pair would come back soon enough and so so what so what happened is that they started looking at 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 uh, at different at kids and started to notice that behavior just kept on following that sort of model so one model which they called anxious is the model where the where where the 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 child or the baby basically when it, whenever their attachment figure is not around they start to get and anxious. They start to feel they, they've got the sense of maybe I've got abandoned. Maybe I'm not. Maybe my needs are not going to be met. So they start getting anxious, and that causes behavior that that look like getting upset, um, being more needy, or at least that's one way of looking at it. But basically, needing more attention and needing more reassurance, as if they're about to lose that thing that they that that they're going to need, as if they're about to get a, to get abandoned. So that's the first. That's the first big category for um, for of the attachment out. So the, so there's basically secure and insecure, and of the insecure one, one of them is anxious. Now the second one is what they call avoidant. So a, so so an avoidant child essentially has has made up their mind that their needs are not going to get met. So if they need something. The parent is not around. They're too busy. They're, you know, they've whatever it is that caused them to uh, to grow their their sense of strategy for handling their needs. Well, they feel like their needs are going to get met, so they basically stop crying. So they're very quiet. Um, and then, and then the third attachment style is is where basically if if the baby uh, if the baby has some needs, they they essentially have grown to know that their parents are going to show up if they really need something. So they cry a little bit. If the parent, and most of the time, the parent shows up, and every once in a while, you know, it takes a little bit longer. And but because they know they've built that trust that the parent is going to show up, they actually are able to be okay. They they kind of make themselves okay. They're not they're they're not. I mean, they're not really thinking at that age. If it's twelve months old or even a little bit older than that, they're not really thinking. Oh, my parent, my parent is going to show up. They just kind of inherently know that. And what they found over the years, over the years after that, that research, is they discovered that uh, that a lot of what determines if a child is secure or insecure is the amount of connection that they have with their parents. Now, I don't know if you know, but in, during the 50s and, and during, during, during the early 1900s, there was a lot of education um, for parent, parenting education that was about, um, or parenting techniques that was about kind of getting your child to be as independent as possible. Uh, less needy, and so so they would they would often like put the put the child in a different room, let them cry. There's like there's still that technique, still uh, the crying the, the cried out method. That's still a, like a known technique for for dealing with babies who cry. But the attachment the attachment parenting style essentially says that the more connection, the more face time, the more face to face time, the more skin skin to skin time, the more attention you give your child, the more you essentially teach them that they're going to be okay, pretty much no matter what happens. Now, somebody might think, oh, well, if you give them everything that they need whenever they need it, they're going to become soft, they're going to become, uh, and they're, they're going to expect their needs to be met every single moment. But what it turns out to be is that when you're, when you're a child, you can't really, you're not really thinking about things like, um, I can take advantage of this situation. You're just, you're just basically, you have these needs, you don't know how to meet them, and if nobody meets them, you kind of you, you learn something around that, and so that's what attachment parenting does. So what they found beyond that is that uh, is that adults have adult, adults grow. There's there's research that's emerging around this is that adults continue to grow based on their original attachment style, and that's what uh, so, so so slightly different names on the the uh, on the uh, the secure and the insecure uh, different attachment styles. Uh, for babies and for young children versus adults. But if we go back to the, the, the styles that we were just talking about, we have anxious, avoidant, and secure. And then there's a, there's a fourth category that's, called, uh, that's also called um, disorganized for people who had a very difficult childhood where they didn't know what to trust with their parents, especially if there's a lot of abuse or trauma in their history. Um, and it's apparently uh, a small percentage of about 4% of, uh, of children have a, a, an insecure attachment style that's also uh, disorganized, which could mean that they're both or, both or either 
anxious or avoidant at different times or sometimes at the same time. And so my understanding of this and people that are listening here to our, our listeners, um, you know, where we're, this isn't a, a podcast on how to raise better children, although this is good tips on how to raise happy children um, is mm-hmm. to uh, to give them love when they need love. And um, aside from that, this also what, what Philippe is saying, too, is that this applies to adult relationships. And because mm-hmm. I, I always find it so fascinating that so much of our childhood affects the way we show up in relationship, including sexuality. And uh, we've talked in past episodes about core erotic theme and, you know, that, that those relationships with parents, um, what, how they did or did not show up for you and how that can actually play out into your sex life. Um, but in this Absolutely. case, you know, this is actually relationship is, you know, if you uh, if you had you were a baby that was crying and someone didn't show up for you, you were more likely to that would be more of a, a more likely to have an avoidant um avoiding attachment style, which would actually be yep. playing out in your adult relationships with lovers. That's right. That's right. And it's a, it's so you, um, one way, one way I like to tell my clients, so imagine you're at the, you're early on in your life and it's a, you're, you're like a boat leaving the port, right? Just half a degree to the left could mean that you're going to end up on the other side of the ocean at a different country. Right, you you aim for France and you end up in Iceland, just for one degree or two degrees of difference. So, so everything that happens early in life has a massive impact around around what you perceive later. And so, so even though even though it may it may not know it may it may not be noticeable because you don't remember a lot of it because a lot of it is pre-verbal. You don't have language for it. You just have these this thing that happens in your body. So, uh, and there's another version of this, which is um, one way of looking at it is everybody has an inner child and an inner teenager, if you want to look at it that way. So when, I I don't know if you, if you've been in a relationship, if you're listening and you've been in a relationship, you've often, most likely often noticed that you are engaging with your partner as if they were a, a baby or a child or a toddler or somebody who's three or four or five. Like it's, you get that sense like, wait, five minutes ago you were 25 or 36 and now you feel like you're five. And often I'll ask my client when I, when I hear that voice and I get this feeling that there's a very young part of them that speaks, I'll say, well, how old do you feel right now? And often it'll be like four or five, six. And, and so I ask them to, to, to allow that voice to speak. And that's where you start to notice the attachment style a lot more strongly. But it shows up in adults. Okay, even as if, uh, even if as a, even, sorry, even if as an adult we are capable of reason, there are things that pull at us from either a preverbal or very young place that could totally derail us in sexuality. In a rela- uh, it could it could drive our core erotic theme. It could uh, it could determine whether or not we're turned on. Uh, like your inner child could cock block or, or pussy block in the most in the most intense way where you go, wow, it's totally turned on. I'm not. I don't know what's going on. So a lot can happen. And I think attachment theory is a really good lens uh, that we can use to look at what these sort of very standard, very typical patterns of relationship uh, with um, between people and how they can happen and how we can solve them. So is there a lot of research that went into this? I'm assuming the book was written over a period of years, uh, like linking mm-hmm. the attachment, I guess, styles or theory to um, different humans in, in studies, correct? I'm just trying to get, I'm a science background. So I'm like, how do they research this? Well, I, w- I wish I had I wish I had a, a list of uh, a list of sort of research papers, which I don't. Um, I think at this point, at this point, at this moment, a lot of it is sort of an emerging, it's an emerging field. Uh, and as an emerging field, there's just a lot of people having a lot of things to say about it. And, and um, there's a few, uh, there's a few articles that I'm going to, that I'm going to put in that basically includes pay, that includes scientific papers. Uh, here's the thing about psychology. Psychology, as much as we'd like to call it a science, if science is the thing that you can basically make a make a uh, what do you call it a, a, not a proposal a, your hypothesis your uh, a hypothesis thank you so much uh, you make a hypothesis and 
you you're able to get uh, a clear a clear answer to that hypo- that that hypothesis uh, uh, in a reliable way, then yes, you can call it science. But with psychology, it's very difficult to prove anything other than behavior. Right. But once you have behavior, then you have to explain why the behavior and why the behavior needs to be explained by people who are actually exhibiting that behavior, which includes their biases and their beliefs. So it's very difficult to prove anything in psychology. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, the study so of those patterns. I, I got it. Okay. That's right. That's right. That's right. So attachment theory shows, basically tells us there are patterns and there are patterns mm-hmm. that fall into these, these three, uh, these three, four, uh, these four categories, secure, insecure, and of insecure as anxious, avoidant, and um, and disorganized. Now, it's still very useful uh, because when we, when you know, that that explains why some couples uh, who are one person being anxious, one person being avoidant, why they find each other and why they find each other so attractive and so hot, and that's because of the kind of emotional and sexual tension that arises from two people who both find each other really relating to each other from an from a, from an. Um, from uh, an insecure standpoint, but also behave in ways that keep on sort of triggering, triggering each other that's a, in a way that makes the relationship very volatile so and very scary, which then proves to them uh, why their insecurity exists in the first place. So if I'm an, invo- if I'm an avoidant, insecure um, type, mm-hmm. is it possible mm-hmm. if I'm conscious of that and do work like with someone such as yourself to become a secure yeah. person or is it just ingrained in me? Well, I, one, I'll say yes. Two, I'll say it's very hard. And the reason it's very hard is because it, uh, it, these patterns operate at a very deep level. And so in, a, in a way that is, even though there's a part of you that's like, I completely know why I'm upset at this or why I'm freaking out, that doesn't necessarily mean that the freak out goes away. Like the, 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 the intellectual part can totally analyze all the patterns as they're happening. But emotionally, you'll st- you could still be in an anxious place or an avoidant place. Or, in a, for, or if you're an avoidant, for example, you would just be turned off. And your partner would be like, why are you turned off? And you'd be like, well, I know why I'm turned off. That's because you're, I feel like you're engulfing me and you're so needy with me. I understand all of that stuff. I don't think it's your fault. I don't think it's my fault, but I'm turned off right now. I can't get it up. Or I can't get wet, or I can't I can't just go there because it feels like the wrong thing to do. Or they just need to get the the f out of there. The, I mean, yeah, my understanding of yes, yeah. I mean, it's so actually maybe you can elaborate on that. What would an adult avoidant and anxious and secure look like, and the way they show up in relationship? Okay, uh, well, I just very wanted to finish uh, speaking to the thing you said before, oh, okay, which was uh, uh, which was about what I would call earning a secure attachment style. Mm-hmm. So, and and it begins with start starting noticing the patterns. You notice the patterns, and you're like, "Wow, I've got patterns." Oh, these patterns mean I'm could mean or or look like anxious or look like avoidant. It's it's important not to pathologize because. We're very malleable as human beings, but at the same time, we're still animals and we're still mammals and we're still, so these things that, that happen at a very basic core level that help us survive as you, as humans, especially as small humans that are, you know, less than one year old, developing a strategy for survival as our brains are coming together, uh, it's very difficult to change. So you can notice these patterns. And then once you notice the patterns, you start to catch yourself in those patterns. And as you catch yourself in those patterns, you know how to resource, you start to be, to get better at resourcing yourself. When, for example, if you're an anxious person and you need reassurance, you can go to your partner and you can just say, hey, I'm having a moment of anxiety and I'm feeling anxious. Could you just hold me for five minutes? And then, uh, and then that, that might be all that's needed. So, uh, and, and the same thing for avoidant. Avoidant could say, okay, I need some space right now. I'll be back in five minutes. So I'll be back in 10 minutes. Oh, we had a big fight. I'm feeling really overwhelmed right now. I'm going to go for a walk. (laughs) Very typical man thing to do, but any human could do it. Uh, And go out for a walk, blow some steam off, come back a little bit more regulated because there's been, you know, there's been time and and actual space and then come back and say, okay, now I can have this conversation. Uh, So, or fight or go back into the fight without fighting. 
So, um, so yeah. So to answer your question, yes, it's possible to earn a uh, to earn a secure attachment style by learning where the which which are the patterns and based on those patterns, learning to regulate oneself uh, in the most effective way that doesn't uh, cause the other person that we're with to go out of balance. Uh, and so, so uh, if you're anxious and you need reassurance, you have to do it in a way that's not going to freak out your avoidant partner. And if you're an avoidant partner, you have to get some space in a way that's not going to freak out your anxious partner. So a lot of it has to do with the communication and also a knowing of self where you know what's going on inside or you can feel it arising and you can sort of call things out just before you get to the point of no return where you have to get the hell out or you have to demand love and attention. And these are all things like now I've said, I've said these things. These are all, all behaviors exhibited by a secure person. So essentially you become secure by learning to behave as a secure person. And, and uh, because secure people do all the things that allow them to self-regulate. They self-care really well. They ask for what they need. They, um, they communicate really well. They do all these things that, that actually make life a lot easier once you realize that these are your needs and these are your desires and these are your boundaries and these are your, this is the best pace for you. You're able to just sort of let people know as it arises and everybody's like, oh, that's so much easier. I know. I know how to take care of you now. And I don't feel fully responsible because I know because you just express all these things so well, I know that you got it for yourself if you need to. Does that feel helpful for you, April? April, what do you what do you what do you think your attachment style is? Well, it I've been I've been kind of jogging my head because I, I I overall feel like I'm a pretty secure human. However, I think if I had to choose when I do have my fight or flight situations that arise in my life, things that make me highly uncomfortable or that I get um, hurt by, yes, I think I'm probably the avoidant one. I I bottle things and I I push away. Uh-huh. Like, I'm just not going to be like over the holidays. I was super depressed. I kind of touched on that with you, Amy. And I just shut down and it had to deal with. And I, I, I was like, this is why I go on vacation every holiday. I don't need to be a part of this because <laughs> it hurt me not being with my family and just the uncomfortability of it all. So I'd have to choose avoidant. Mm-hmm. I'm not proud, but I'm, I'm here being avoidant. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. The words can sound really bad. But the truth is, it's probably the closest thing that we have to being hardwired in the way we are as human beings. Like, like of course, we're hardwired. You know, our, there's things that wires our, wires our eyes to our brain and ears to our brain and, you know, our foot to our brain and our heart works. Oh, that, that kind of wiring is biological. But when it comes to um, emotional wiring, which, kind of, which, which is something we've evolved, in order to be able to survive well, because see, here's the thing, you're two months old or you're three or six months old. And as your brain develops, you as a, as a biological being, you're learning to do the right thing in order to get the food that you need and to be taken care of. So, so these things happen really, really early on. So you, it's, it's, it's easy to think, Oh shit, I'm insecure. Oh shit. I'm avoidant. Oh shit. I'm anxious. But the, the truth of the matter is, is that the more you're able to recognize these parents, the more you can actually start to do something about it. Call it A and B if that's, that's easier for you. Um, or, or the first letter or the first two letters, just, just to make it less, um, you know, less difficult. But the point is to recognize these patterns and recognize the strategies you've evolved because of your biology um, and because of the way your pants showed up or didn't show up, you know, for five minutes or 10 minutes or, or a month or two, um, is not something you can't really do anything about, uh, in the past, but you can do something about it now. What are, so the characteristics from what I'm understanding of an yes. avoidant person would be the old, the, the old, the old, r- the, the old running away <laughs> scenario. Um, <laughs> Yeah, like so when things get when things get uh, yield when things get hard. So I'm in a I'm a, say I'm avoiding. I get in an argument with my partner. I want to get the f out of here. I want to run. I want to hide. I shut down. I put a wall. I I don't. Like, I need to mo- remove myself. Yeah, um, it, it, one way of looking at the attachment theory could be uh, what's the greatest fear. Um, so or the the yeah the greatest fear for an anxious person is um, to be abandoned. 
And the greatest fear for an, an avoidant person is to be oppressed, not oppressed from a political justice kind of standpoint, but oppressed as in like overwhelmed, too much intensity, too much need, too, too much, too much of something. Like they, they, it's, so the thing is, if, if when they were young, they learned to, uh, dis, uh, to disregard their own needs because nobody was there to really meet them, at least non-reliably, then they've actually evolved to not feel their needs when they arise, which then means that they actually are really lousy at meeting their own needs and the needs of others because they don't really know what needs are supposed to look like. They've learned to become to be independent and be self-reliant. And so whenever somebody shows up with needs, it just feels like, oh my God, what? This is too much. I can't deal with all that. And so they're not able to regulate an intense needs because they've learned to, to quiet that down. Or another way of calling it is to, they've learned to uh, disarm their attachment system. While for an anxious person, they've learned to turn it up, turn the volume up. And, and uh, so an anxious turns the volume up on the attachment system and, and um, an avoidant turns the volume down on their, their attachment system, which means that they've, they've actually learned to be really enjoying the silence of needs. But when somebody shows up with a lot of intense needs, they're going to they're gonna flee. They're going to say, this is way too loud. This is too much. I need to get the hell out. And then, yeah, so that, so, and, and my understanding too of this is, I mean, if we're talking statistics, we have, you know, around approximately ish, half the population would be considered secure and about a quarter would be considered Uh anxious and a quarter would be considered avoidant. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's common and we all have a tendency to um, maybe be more um, strong in one of them, but then we'll have tendencies to navigate through the other ones. Like for myself, I'm uh, secure with anxious tendencies, and those anxious tendencies come out when I'm with an avoidant partner. That's right, of course, of course, because you're it's it's almost like your your needs are so diametrically opposed that you end up with a partner like that because it's electric, it's it's intense. You can you can feel you you can feel both the 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 the, the similarity and insecurity and the tension because you want different things. Mm-hmm. Which but it's going to be nice triggering and, spicy. and volatile. <laughs> and I think oh I... Oh, my God. Oh, oh, go ahead. Sorry, Philippe. <laughs> yes, no, that's it. I'm just agreeing. Oh, good. Because I think that I'm avoidant in my partnership and uh, my partner's anxious. I think yeah, I'm mostly course. secure, though. I do think I'm mostly secure, yeah. but I do have avoidant yep. tendencies for sure. Like when you were describing yeah. the avoidance, I just pictured the lack of love that I received from my father as a kid and and always feeling um, that it, I, I was had to be independent. And I and, and I deal with that where people's needs. I'm like, whoa, you're really needy. Like, what's the deal? <laughs> yeah, and it's a, it wasn't very long ago that I read this article, and it's in the, it, um, eventually I'm going to send you guys a, uh, I'll have a, a link that you can put with your podcast with the resource uh, articles and the, re- the different resources I put together for people who are first looking into this, uh, this, this, this attachment theory. And, um, uh, it, and it's just, uh, it's just in, it's interesting to notice that if you, uh, as an avoidant, have never noticed what needs are about, or you've always thought, wow, what's all this neediness about? That's because, of course, you learn to grow not really paying attention to your own needs and the needs of others. Uh, so it, it can be a really, um, a really, a real big revelation to, to realize, and that's something that happened to me about a year ago, and I'm 46. So I wish I would have known that a long longer ago. But there was this article by Nora Samarin that was about... Um, it's called something like uh, for the man who desperately, desperately need autonomy, which is really about the avoidant who wants to go and do their own thing. And, and what the article explains is that needs are a natural way that humans connect. They're like a, they're a connection point. The, the, they, it's, we're, not, we're not just connect through words and exchange of ideas. We also connect through needs. And it happens from, the very, from a very young age. And that connection, that connection point of needs is how we actually learn to trust each other. 
That's how we learn to whether or not we're here for each other. Uh, that's how we know if we would take a bullet for each other. That's how we know if we're compatible. It, it, that's how we know if we believe similar things, if we have similar morals uh, and similar. Um, so all of that go, uh, happens through a meeting of needs. And so that's why it's difficult as an avoidant. If you don't know all these things, you're just like, I'm just going to do my own thing. And then you end up with a partner who says, I need you to tell me I love you love me. And you're like, what? I told you three months ago. I, What's feel, going like on? You're, I feel like you live in my relationship. <laughs> 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 I can't even ask people for a ride from the airport. Like, I got it. I don't I, I yeah, literally have, I, got this. I can ask for what I want in my life. But when it comes to asking other folks for help on or what I need, whether it's from friendships or partnerships or my parents, I struggle because I think I can take the burden of everything independently. Yeah. You're yeah, blowing my mind, my Philippe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my dad used to say, you're never as well served than by yourself. And uh, that's a very avoidant thing to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, <laughs> <Shit>. you know what? <laughs> but you know what? If you never need anything from anyone, like, and like ask people who are, who are trying to love you or who say they love you and just ask them, is it difficult to love me? Most likely they're going to say, yes. <laughs> and they're going to say, wow, it's, you know, sometimes I want to help you. And you're like, no, I don't need anything. I got and, into trouble. And for, yeah. person, oh, oh my God. <laughs> The other day I was like, I don't need you. You know that, right? I'm just here. I mean, I can. I, I just have myself. He's like, that is really something that I don't want to hear from a partner. And I was like, but it's true. That is a very good defense mechanism yeah. to protect yeah. yourself from getting hurt. I mean, at the end of the, the yeah. day, that's what it is. This is just a defense mechanism yeah. to make sure that you don't get that same hurt that you got when you were a kid. Shit. That's right. That's right. That's right. And, I, you know, all the way down to something that could even preverbal. Like, it's that, it's that, it's a need for survival. It's a deep, deep need for survival. So even though I'm telling you today, oh, you don't need to be so independent. Now, that doesn't mean you can just, like, go home and just tell your partner, all right, I'm just going to let you, you know, let you know all my needs. The thing is, you didn't grow up to know what your needs are. Mm-hmm. So discovering your needs is going to take a while. It's going to take a lot of looking into it. It's going to take a lot of, like, do I really need this? Or do I just want it? And what does that mean? And you might actually even be turned off by your own needs because you've not, you've never learned to feel into what's a real need. So everything is going to look kind of pale and faded in terms of needs and, and yours and other people. So the, the, the trick here is in, in, in that, and that's the path to becoming more secure as well, is you have to become more, emotionally intelligent and empathetic which doesn't mean you're not but it starts with you it starts with how 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 am i feeling because here's the thing feelings feelings are like sensations okay so example you're sitting somewhere and there's a weird sensation where you're on how you're sitting and you're kind of like oh naturally you go oh i'm just going to move a little bit and readjust right that's a sensation is a sign that something's going on in your body that potentially you need to move or you need to sleep better, better or eat more. A sensation inside your body is like, yeah, growling stomach. Huh, I need to do something about that. So there's a need, you need for food. And then you go and open the fridge and eat some food. Now, feelings or emotions are like are the same thing. The feeling arises and you go, huh, I got this feeling. What does that mean? And oh, it means that I'm not feeling connected oh, I'm going to go to my partner and I'm going to get close or I'm going to say, hey, do you love me? Or, or what do I mean to you? Or any, any of those questions that kind of allow you to get a sense of are we still connected? And then your partner will answer and that will meet the need. Now, if you're avoidant, a lot of this stuff doesn't even register. But it's still happening. It's still happening under, under the surface. The need for connection, the need for food in the same way. So so. As an avoidant person, it's almost like you're the kind of person who doesn't feel hungry, when I, even though you might be hungry, even though you didn't have breakfast and lunch, which, by the way, I did not. I had a little bit of food, but it's, it, 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 you're kind of the same way. You're, you, you have all these feelings that are happening in the background, 
but you have not learned to know to know what they are and to really feel them and identify what they're about and where they're coming from and what to do about them, which is what emotional intelligence is. Since you haven't learned that, they're just kind of noise in the background that you haven't really explored and identified. And it's when you start to do that that you begin to notice what your real needs are because you'll notice the feeling and you'll be like, oh, what's the need associated with the feeling? Oh, my need is for this. Oh, then I should... I should engage with this person or that person, or I don't feel complete, I feel weird, or I feel triggered, or I feel uncomfortable, or I feel sad, or I feel upset, or I feel, you know, all of these words that maybe you haven't explored fully uh, will allow you to begin to meet those needs. So sensations are example, uh, are, are, is sort of like the first onset of discovering a physical need. And then feelings and emotions are the first onset of a, of a discovery and exploration towards meeting an emotional need. What can you say about, uh, because I feel, so, okay, I actually just want to make a, a key point for any, all of you single people out there, all the single people I know that are, you know, 30 and up are, are wondering where are all the secure people, <laughs> and, you know, they're in relationships. <laughs> yeah. Um, exactly. So quite often the people that are getting in relationship are, you know, if you put an avoidant with an avoidant, they usually kind of just push each other away and it ends. <laughs> so, I mean, that's possible. Someday in five years, yeah. maybe if the stars align and the, the eclipse is happening. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that's a little more they're, they're okay. both having this desire to run. So a lot of people I think are finding themselves in this avoidant, anxious partnership. And what can you say to help strengthen those relationships? Like what tips do you have when you work with those people um, other than having them identify it? But are there any specific tips that you would have to give to two people where one's showing up as a pusher and one's showing up as a puller? <laughs> I love that you're putting it in a, in a somatic way because that often feels like that. Oh, I'm, I'm trying to get close and they're pushing me away. So one feels like they're pulling the other person or, get, or trying to get close. And so, yeah, so uh, <clears throat> and, and there'll be some articles in the resource I send you. Very, the very, very basic ideas. So once you recognize this is the kind of thing that you normally do is, is to actually, well, do the opposite. Um, and it's tough. So you don't want to do like, you know, crazy opposite. You basically want to ease into it really slowly. And so if you're an avoidant, to actually crank up the volume on the expression of love. And this, and, 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 and then we could go into the five languages of love, which are basically really great way to express love in a way that your partner will understand and will feel loved. So if you want to maximize your effectiveness in, um, in expressing love so that your partner feels it, your anxious partner feels it, then you do it in their love languages, so the, the, the top or top one, two, or three. If you do that, just even even ten or twenty percent more than you normally do it, it will it will completely change your relationship. It will it, your your partner will say, "Wow, what just happened to you? You're so nice. You're so co- I feel so connected to you. I feel so good." And on the flip side of that, it will actually diminish the amount of of quote unquote neediness that, as an avoidant, you might be feeling from your partner. Your partner will feel reassured. They will feel safe. They will feel like you're present for them. You're present with them, and they will actually relax. And they will like be pulling less in your direction. And so, so that's that's from the avoidance standpoint. Um, and then, as you do that, you'll start to realize there's a part of you that's going to say, "Wow, this is actually really great. I'm actually feeling more relaxed because they're feeling more relaxed, and all I have to do is these few little things." Um, and then, and then as you relax more, you will mean the things you're doing more because it'll be, they'll become more genuine because you'll be relaxing and you'll be feeling the good feeling that your partner feels when they're feeling reassured. You'll start to feel it yourself because you're relaxed and you're not trying to, you're not trying to push away. So that's the avoidance standpoint. Now, if you're the anxious person, you're in a way you're having the hardest job because because you haven't learned to um, to uh, put your needs uh, to push your needs away, you need your needs met now. Otherwise, you're in freakout mode. You're in a uh, in, in the book attached. They call it uh, the danger zone. And so you're in the once you're in the danger zone, it's hard to relax. So 
so what you have to do is you have to learn to create a um, you have to create learn to create a self care kind of routine, and you have to have like a self care sort of network, friends that you can just go over there and just they'll hold you for half an hour, or they cuddle cuddle with you, or just so that so that when you're feeling needy, you're 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 spreading the needs to more than just your partner. Because what freaks out your partner is that you're the only one, they're the only one who can fulfill your needs. But if you show your partner that actually, that actually you can fulfill your own needs uh, without depending on them. So you're a little bit more independent, uh, but, but in a secure way, because that's what secure people do. They have a lot of people that can help them. They can help themselves, but they have also other people who can help them. So what, you, what you'd be doing essentially is becoming more secure by doing secure things. So you call your best friend and you say, hey, I'm feeling really anxious right now. My partner is not talking to me. He hasn't said anything in two hours. I don't know if he still loves me. And your friends will say, huh, especially if it's a secure friend, they'll say, oh, come on over. I'll just, you know, we'll just, uh, we'll just hang out or, you know, we'll cuddle. And, and then you'll go to your friend and then you'll cuddle. And then, uh, and then you'll come back and you'll feel much more relaxed. And then because you feel more relaxed, your partner, who's avoidant, is very sensitive about these things, will actually relax as well. And then you'll be able to reconnect. So that's, that's in a nutshell. So the, the avoidant has to, be, has to get more into connection with their partner. And the anxious person has to be more in connection with a greater variety of, uh, of people uh, in their life. And with themselves. <laughs> and with themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that that counts for both. Mm-hmm. That counts for both anxious and avoidant. They have to be more in touch with themselves, mm-hmm. but they go about it differently. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I like that. I like that kind of easing into the opposite of what your natural tendency is. And that natural tendency yeah. was something that was kind of instilled in you or given to you from your childhood, and could be from even before you even remember, um, and mm-hmm. not just jump right into it. But and and that goes with. Uh, you know, we practice. The more we practice something, the more we create those new neural pathways in our brain that will make that the uh, new right. default of how we function. That's right. That's right. And, uh, and and if you think that, you know, you grew to become, you know, 20, 25, 30, 40, to, if you've grown to be the way you are over all these years, it's going to take a little while to change the patterns. You know, so some people say that if you're in if you're working at it hard, like, like a train, like you're being trained, like you're, like if you wanted to train to become a, like a bodybuilder, how long would that take? A year, six months, two years? I don't know. I'm, I've never done it. But <laughs> so imagine if you, if you were to train to become a secure person, well, how long would that take? Some people say three to five years of, of hard emotional work will get you there. It will get you there to the point where when, when you're having a freak out moment, you'll go, okay, I noticed a freak out moment. I know what to do and I will, I will do what I have to do. And then you do it. And cause you've, you've done it enough times, you can, you've learned to trust it. And so it's become, becomes what's called the earned secure, even though in the background, there's still like a, a young, young part of you that's still in this quick freak out moment. Uh, you're actually the adult part of you has really learned to harness the power of its own mind and become uh, and learn the learn the steps and 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 walk the path of doing the secure things and it works because of the practice and because of the trust that's been built towards self over all these months. And then you get more connection and deeper relationships and right. deeper relationship with the self and more ease and comfort. And, and life is just yep. more sparkly and juicy. I think a phone call is due to my mom to be like, hey, mom, guess what? <laughs> you screwed me up. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just yeah. And I love yeah, my mom. Happen. You think it's your mom? I mean, the thing no. is, <laughs> it's my dad for sure. <laughs> The thing is, as parents, uh, yeah, as, as parents, you know, we do. I don't know if you guys are parents. But I'm a parent, and uh, and a lot of this stuff was was a lot of these realizations were catapulted by having a young child who is about as needy as you can possibly make a human being. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're 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 young. You, you, all your needs are met by by people that are big 
and they decide if your needs are going to be met or not. I mean, that's, that's intense. And so they develop intense strategies to make that happen. And so once I realized that my child had needs and those were normal, natural human being things, then I was able to not freak out about it, not nearly as much anymore, and, and be able to see him in his needy human learning to become independent, but not too much. Uh, in, in seeing him in all these different places to actually recognize my own, my own places and be able to say, okay, I've got needs, you've got needs, let's see how we can make this work. And now he's six and it's just incredible. It's probably one of the most um, it, uh, emotionally intelligent little man that I've ever seen. I'm just going to stick to getting a dog, I think, at this point. <laughs> 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 let's hope I don't screw that one up. <laughs> <laughs> she's gonna, she's working Maybe on herself a cat right would now. Be on yeah, stick with a cat. They're, oh, there cats are just <laughs> naturally highly avoidant. <laughs> Perfect for me. And then dogs are just highly Depends anxious. Depends on the cat. <laughs> um, so how how can people work with you? Because I we have a, a lot of a lot of our listeners love, like we said in the beginning of the podcast, they love learning more about relationships and communication. Um, but how can people actually start to work with you? I know you're in the Bay Area, so I'm assuming that you do some work over Skype. But let us know. Tell us. Tell us. Well, considering on Skype right now, that's already a good sign. Um, yes, yes. You can go to my website, uh, www.exquisite.love. And uh, there's a button that says um, something like uh, book an intro session. And it's free. It's half an hour. We get to, we basically get together either in person, usually on the phone or on Skype. And we basically just check each other out and get a sense of, uh, well, I mean, you guys, you know, you guys do right now and the listeners have a sense of who I am and how I talk and what I'm about. So that makes things easier. But the, generally, uh, my clients will call me, new clients will call me in. We'll have a conversation to get a sense of, well, how can I best support you and what do you need? And then if it's a good match, if we both feel like it's a good match, then, then we start working together. Um, and one thing to remember about this work and anybody who's done therapy for years will know that, uh, and therapists will know that, um, there's no shortcut. There's being really effective. There's such a thing. There's such a thing as like not basically just being effective in your inner growth process and being very clear and being very honest. But there's no way you can make things go faster than they're, than they, than they're going. Uh, that's the, the nature of changing your your core belief system is that it's okay that it doesn't change too fast because if it did you would go crazy way too easily so changing your core beliefs around abandonment and around love and around uh, trust and around depending on others it's inherently really difficult to change and that's why it takes a long time to move to move and transform into something that even though intellectually you know is better uh, your inner child and the, the really young parts of you don't know that. And so so it takes time. So it's good to understand that when you go into a process of, I want to I be less insecure. I want to become secure. It's not something you can do overnight. It's something you do by working at it, by practicing, by learning the secure ways, because the secure ways are the things that make life more secure. Good communication, good connections, uh, um, self-awareness, uh, self-awareness, being just independent enough, but not too much, being able to be dependent in a way that works for everyone, that's, that's uh, interdependent and consensual, uh, all of these things. And, and that takes a long time to learn and to do it well. Uh, just like any, any kind of hard-earned training uh, for anything, for any kind of mastery. So, uh, so yeah, so people can just go to my website, um, exquisite.love and click the get an intro uh, schedule an intro session and then we'll be in conversation and and on that note of what you were just saying too I think we've said this in many podcasts but um, and don't uh, my advice would be if you feel like you're stuck don't try to unstuck yourself alone that's why there's people out <laughs> there I know we have friends and family or not everyone does but um, there's people like Philippe and other uh, love coaches, life coaches, therapists, educators that are there to help unstuck you because, um, in my opinion, the original way was living community where we had our team there all the time to help us support each other. And mm. that's not how we're living now. And 
Um, we still have problems. <laughs> <laughs> this little pessimist over here. Sorry. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm enlightened now. I'm all like, damn it, I was a secure person. And now I know I'm avoidant. April's stuck in her own process yes. right now. <laughs> <laughs> so April's going to be calling the police. It, well, it's especially important. This is a message that's especially important for avoidance because I'm one and uh, I just started doing therapy with my wife after 13 years. And here's the thing about avoidance. They're very picky. They're not, they don't trust easily. They're, they're picky because, because they naturally don't want to be dependent. And so, and so to, so I, I mean, and, and uh, I'll say this really quickly. Uh, if, if you've ever been, if you're avoidant and you've ever fallen in love, you'll, you get a sense of how weird the experience is. Because when you fall in love, basically that's your attachment system engaging with somebody else, which normally you're able to keep down. And, uh, and as, as an avoidant, because that's, that's your, that's your special power, not get attached but if you do get attached, it's a weird experience. It's an experience of like wanting space, but not being able to. Uh, so I just wanted to say that that's what avoidance are, are generally good at, not getting attached, which also means very being very picky around codependence or interdependence. So to actually go to, uh, to, a, uh, uh, to, uh, uh, to a therapist or a coach can be a very difficult experience. Because it means finding someone that you're going to depend on in some ways. And so I just want to say to those who are avoidant, I know the feeling. And I'm not going to, you know, there's no, there's no commitment other than what feels right to you. So you come to me when that feels right. And then we have a conversation. I know what it's like, so I'm not going to push you. And then, uh, and then if it feels good, then, and whenever it feels good, then we can continue the conversation. That's how I do it with avoidance. Mm-hmm. How you hear that, April? Do you feel safe? I'm feeling no safer. <laughs> Slowly. It takes me a minute. I always blame that I'm a cancer. Um, and so I'm like, I just, well, I walk around things and slow ease into them. But I do believe that I probably need your coaching. <laughs> Not going to lie to you okay. here. We just shattered her whole reality. Step is to ask for help. <laughs> uh, I think ask you're doing for help. Yeah, that's <laughs> no, good. It's good to have real life examples. And, um, and, you know, I, I think parenting is a hard job. It's a really, it's a, the hardest job out there. And so I, you know, I, I like the saying that, you know, they, they tried their best. And sometimes I also don't like the saying, so I'm like, but you could have done fucking better. <laughs> but at the same time, it's a, it's a really hard job and we all have our, our stuff. And I think it's really insightful to hear, kind of where it comes from to understand it kind of with the premise of what we have here, you know, our premise for our podcast is shameless sex and that a lot of the shame and trauma and the inner workings of you know how we work now um, are learned and therefore weren't actually originally ours in the first place. And it, we don't have to come at it from a place of being um, angry. We can have compassion for that part of ourselves and for our parents and for whomever else affected us or, or raised us. And there's always work to do for everyone. So Really helpful. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Right. A friend of mine, yeah. a friend of mine's teacher used to say, um, you're perfect the way you are mm-hmm. and you can use love improvement. <laughs> and that's, that's the way I approach life. I like that a little positive reinforcement in the beginning. <laughs> it's like a tune-up. Just, yes, a little positive, like the shit sandwich that you serve people. You're really That's great. Right. You always use some improvement, but you got a lot of work to do. Yeah, but still. I like to say, just give them a cookie before, and then you can give them the critique. <laughs> Here's a cookie. So about that thing you did. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much, Philippe. This has been so wonderful and insightful, and I'm sure that our listeners will eat it all up just as April and I did. April, do you have anything else you'd like I really do want to thank you. I know you're not a therapist uh, and you're a coach and an educator, but um, I feel like the amount of information you gave to us today is it, it speaks volumes for, for me and for probably a lot of the listeners who weren't aware of attachment theory. So thank you from the bottom of me heart and my abandonment <laughs> issues. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so again, everyone, you can find more information about Philippe at exquisite.love. Well, I guess I could try to do a WW. April makes fun of me when I say WW. Exquisite.love, everyone. 
and, and if you have any questions, we'll, we'll put some links that Philippe is going to send us as well in um, the notes on our website at shamelesssex.com. And I'll let April take it uh, take us out because she's the closer and I'm the opener. <laughs> so thank you. We love our listeners so very much. Remember, if you have the time, if you have a moment of your busy days, we so appreciate your reviews. You can go to iTunes and click the reviews. We love reviews. We look at them, we read them, we love them. Um, so please continue that as well. You can check out our website at www, as Amy likes to say, shamelesssex.com. And again, we're on Spotify, Google Play, yeah. iTunes. So tell your friends, tell your mom, tell your grandma, tell the neighbor down the street, tell your cat, tell your dog, <laughs> <laughs> tell anybody um, to listen to Shameless Sex. This is a passion project for us. We love it. We love you. So keep listening and ciao for now. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com.